Before we get into this week's episode, I have another show that I want to share with you guys, the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast hosted by my friend Katie Ferraro is a total must listen for expecting and new mamas alike. I personally remember feeling so overwhelmed when it came to navigating solids with both of my boys. But with Ryland, I had Katie to guide me through the baby led weaning approach and I loved it. Katie is a registered dietitian who specializes in baby led weaning and she's a mom of seven. Yeah. So you know she gets it. She actually was on this show and shared her birth story of her quadruplets. Yes, she has quadruplets back on episode 83. Katie's podcast is an absolute treasure trove of information related to baby led weaning, where babies learn to feed themselves the safe age-appropriate foods you offer them. Just like on this show, Katie features expert guests for interesting interviews related to feeding your baby and does solo informational style episodes as well. She just recently put out an episode all about responsive bottle feeding, which is full of great info that you can implement right from the start if you're currently expecting. To listen to our show, simply search Baby Led Weaning wherever you listen to podcasts or go to blwpodcast.com. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the tools, knowledge, and confidence you need to erase the unknowns, feel in control, and have an even better birth no matter how you deliver. My name is Liesl Teen, mom of two, practicing labor and delivery nurse, and your host. From over eight years and counting of working at the bedside, I know that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. So tune in each week to learn about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from me, a labor and delivery nurse that's seen it all. And now let's get into this week's episode. When it comes to talking about birth, epidurals are often a part of the conversation in one way or another. And I'd guess that most of you already know that epidural placement eliminates labor pain, or at least it's supposed to. But beyond that, well, a lot of people don't actually know that much. I often get questions about how epidurals are placed, how big an epidural needle really is, if getting an epidural hurts, and lots more. So today I thought we'd unpack these epidural placement FAQs that show up in my DMs. Additionally, I want to do a bit of a deep dive into walking epidurals. Walking epidurals are very similar to a traditional epidural, but they allow for greater feeling and movement in the lower half of the body. This makes them very appealing to mamas that want sort of a hybrid, call it a hybrid birth experience, one where the edge is taken off the pain, but not so much that they can't move or feel the sensations of labor and delivery. After you're done listening to this episode, go ahead and check out episode 31, what it's like to get an epidural and episode 101, where anesthesiologist and TikTok sensation, Dr. Magnolia Prince came on the show to talk about epidurals from her perspective. But now it's time for this week's episode. Epidurals, let's talk about them. So you're going to be talking about placement needle sizes, walking epidurals, all that good stuff. So let's get right into it. So first of all, what even is an epidural? 
Like, what is it? (laughs) So put quite simply, an epidural is an injection that is placed into the epidural space of your back to eliminate pain. The epidural space is one of the areas that surrounds your spinal cord, and the epidural placement is always done by a provider on the anesthesia team rather than your delivery provider. Epidurals are often referred to as the gold standard when it comes to pain management during labor and birth because of their seemingly magic ability to eliminate most, if not all, of the pain sensation that comes along with birth. So let's talk about that catheter. So many people think that getting an epidural is a one-time shot or some kind of needle that stays in your back, but that is not the case. So if you have an epidural during labor, it requires the placement of a long kind of wire looking catheter in your back. The catheter is about 90 centimeters long, but only about 10 to 12 centimeters will actually stay in your back. The other end of the catheter will be connected to a pump that continuously distributes the medication. In other words, this is how the pain relieving magic actually happens. An epidural works by blocking pain signals that travel from your spinal cord to your brain. And the goal of an epidural is to provide temporary numbness from contractions by blocking the signal of pain. Isn't that cool? But there's a caveat. Since the pain signals are being blocked from your brain, the pressure signals are not being blocked. So I want to warn you that you'll still probably feel the pressure of baby's head as baby is descending in your pelvis. You see, as baby descends lower and lower into your pelvis, a lot of pressure occurs in your pubic bone and in your rectum. And some women with epidurals don't even feel the sensation. It's kind of crazy, but other people feel it real good. (laughs) They feel extreme pressure and even sometimes pain. For the majority of moms, I would say it's uncomfortable, but it's not as bad as having contraction after contraction after contraction. Epidurals are actually not intended to take away pressure. And actually, pressure is a good thing because it can help guide your pushing. So if you feel pressure, don't panic that your epidural has just stopped working. It is still working. Instead, when it's time to push, you can focus on that pressure to push more effectively. Now the million dollar question, when is the best time to get an epidural? Unfortunately, I cannot provide a cut and dry answer (laughs) for you because contrary to popular belief, there is no magic number of centimeters you need to be dilated or magic number of hours into labor that you must be in, in order for you to get an epidural. The best time is truly unique to each mom and each birth. However, not going to leave you totally hanging. (laughs) So there are some clues to help you decide when the best time is for you. And in my experience, three things should be happening before you get an epidural. You should be having painful contractions. Should be at least in labor. Your cervix should be dilating and you should not be pushing your baby out. You waited a little bit too long. Basically, if you're having painful contractions and you're like, I can't deal with this anymore and you are like, I want that epidural and they are dilating your cervix and you are in the hospital and you are admitted, feel free to ask for an epidural whenever the heck you feel ready for it. Could be at three centimeters, could be at nine centimeters. 
And keep in mind too, it can take some time for anesthesia to place the epidural once you request one, okay? Depending on the size of the hospital where you are delivering, anesthesia may or may not be in-house. And that means there's a member of the anesthesia team at the hospital 24-7. Some smaller hospitals definitely do not have anesthesia there, especially at night. They're kind of more called on an on-call basis. Now, I talked about this briefly, but when is it too late to get an epidural? So as long as you can sit still enough to safely have your epidural placed, you should be able to get one. However, it does usually take about 30 to 45 minutes to get some IV fluid that you need to have before you get an epidural going and getting supplies together, calling the anesthesiologist, waiting for your labs to come back. So make sure you do account for this time when asking for your epidural. It's not like I want an epidural and then five minutes later you get one. It is a process. It also can take an additional 20 to 30 minutes to really feel the full effects from your epidural once it's placed. So even if you can sit still long enough to have it placed, there is a chance that you might push your baby out before it really has time to set in. Are you in search of the perfect pump for your breastfeeding days? Proven to provide more milk in less time, the Motif Luna is a powerful breast pump that's built for modern motherhood and covered by insurance. With a battery-powered or non-battery version, the Luna is perfect for today's busy mom. The Motif Luna breast pump is lightweight and sleek, quiet and customizable, so you can quickly find what works best for you and your baby. The Luna also features a backlit LCD screen, built-in nightlight, closed system, quiet motor, and auto shutoff. And the battery-powered model gives you even more freedom and flexibility with a rechargeable battery that lasts over two hours. But beyond the features and ease of use, the Luna works. In a third-party study, five out of six moms reported more milk and less time than the leading pump brands. As a pumping mama, I personally used and loved my Luda pump. The expression mode works to express milk as efficiently as possible, while the massage mode would stimulate my letdown by mimicking my baby's natural nursing pattern. Sophisticated, strong, and soothing, covered by insurance, get ready to make your pumping days easier with the motif Luna. To learn more about the Luna and order one for your breastfeeding and pumping journey, head on over to motifmedical.com. And as a special offer for all MLN podcast listeners, you can get 15% off site-wide, including the Luna plus all supplies and accessories with the code MLN23. Some exclusions may apply. That's code MLN23 for 15% off site-wide at motifmedical.com. All right, let's talk about the actual Placement. So this is the part that gives a lot of people anxiety. (laughs) I get it. Needles, scary, not fun. I don't even like to watch my blood getting drawn. And I'm a nurse. Like I poke people all the time, but I don't like to see it on me. Okay. (laughs) But I promise that this isn't as bad as it probably seems like it is in your head. So let's go through it step-by-step to erase some of that unknown and get you feeling a little bit more confident. So step one, preparation. Before you can have your epidural placed, there are a few things that need to get done. Though, if you request an epidural after you've been admitted, 
most of this will already be done. You'll see. But if you've just arrived at the hospital, first foot in the door, and you're like, I want my epidural, (laughs) then here's what you can expect. IV access. One of the most common side effects from an epidural is hypotension, which is low blood pressure. And one way we counteract this blood pressure drop is by giving you some extra IV fluid or giving you some medication that helps to raise your blood pressure back up. All of this is to say that having an IV prior to getting an epidural is a definite must. Number two, blood work. We got to draw some blood when we're placing your IV. Specifically, we need to check on your platelet count. So low platelets are a contraindication to actually getting an epidural. So we must have this information before it can be placed in you. Okay. We don't want your platelets to be too low because if your platelets are too low, you can get something called a hematoma and that's not good. I've talked about that in previous episodes, but basically we want to know your platelet count. And sometimes depending on the facility, it usually takes about 15 to 30 minutes to get your result to come back. And that is the kind of thing as well as the IV that we usually do on admission. But for some reason, if you just got there, you have to allot that time as well. You also need IV fluid. This is given before your epidural placement to try and avoid a, guess what? Significant drop in your blood pressure, which is a side effect. So some anesthesia team members want that whole bag of fluid, a whole liter of fluid to be infused before they will even come in the room and place the epidural. And others are okay with just hanging the bag. And as long as the fluids are going quickly and your IVs open, you know, they can see that it's actively running, then they are okay with placing an epidural. But it can take anywhere from like 20 to 60 minutes to receive a whole bag of fluid, depending on how good your IV is. And then finally, we need to gather some supplies. So your nurse will be in charge of gathering the supplies that will be needed by the anesthesiologist to place your epidural. doesn't take a lot of time, but sometimes we have a lot of patients and there's other people getting epidurals and they're using, you know, we have like a cart. So they're using the cart and I got to get stuff from the cart. Sometimes that can take a little bit of time, but once everything is set up, then anesthesia will be called to your room to do the actual placement. All right, let's move on to consent. So relief is on the way. When anesthesia arrives, we will get you into that position. And depending on your anesthesiologist's preference, you will either be sitting on the side of the bed with your legs kind of dangling or lying on your side. Usually you're sitting on the side of the bed, but there are some anesthesiologists that do prefer for you to be laying on your side. So once your anesthesiologist comes into the room, they will briefly explain the procedure, including risks and benefits, and give you a chance to ask any questions that you have. And remember, if you are in painful active labor, this conversation will likely be very quick and to the point. They're usually pretty good about that. And for this reason, though, it's important to note, it's a good idea to discuss any questions you have about your epidural and concerns you have before you're even in labor. Like when you make your birth plan, that's a great time. (laughs) And then when this is done, they will have you sign a consent form, giving them permission to place the epidural. Okay. Sitting for your epidural. We kind of talked about that already, but as soon as you give consent, we will be sterilizing your back. You'll get a blood pressure cuff placed on your arm and a pulse ox on your finger to monitor your vital signs during the procedure. 
And this positioning during your epidural placement is super, super important. So that's why it has its own little section, okay? So here's a quick overview of how to sit for your epidural if you're sitting on the side of the bed. I'm going to go over that one because that's the most common one. So you kind of sit very slouched. You want to tuck your chin to your chest and slump your head down in front relax your shoulders, relax your arms kind of in your lap. A lot of times I'll just give mom kind of a pillow to hold and hug. And then think about curving your back like a shrimp or like a mad cat. You're really trying to poke that middle part of your back as far out as you can. It's hard to do when you're pregnant, (laughs) but that's the position that you need to be in. So once you are in the correct position, your back will be cleaned with an antiseptic solution, and then the provider will place a sticky drape on your back. Once that sticky drape is applied, you will feel your anesthesiologist kind of push on your back to determine the best spot for placement. And then when they find it, they will insert a small needle. This is the first needle. It's okay. (laughs) They will insert a little tiny needle to numb your back. This isn't the epidural needle. This is actually just the numbing medication that really numbs up that back really, really well. It normally feels like a bee sting. This is often the worst part for people. It's not even that epidural needle that's the worst part. It's this medication that is given to numb your back. And it's not even the poke usually. It's because the medication can kind of sting and burn. And then once you are nice and numb back there, your anesthesiologist will use a larger needle to insert that epidural catheter and it will be inserted into your back and slowly positioned into the epidural space. It goes really, really slow because he's really trying to find that perfect spot. It's like millimeters that he has to quite find it. All right, the sound of that heartbeat means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This one says, sharing my Birth It Up baby with you. He was born one week ago on December 5th. We took your C-section course and we felt completely prepared and comfortable going into the procedure. I felt calm the whole time and was able to let go and trust my birth team. My partner also felt ready and educated. The whole C-section was a really positive experience for us and I loved my birth. Oh, I love that. If you want to have an even better birth, just like this mama, head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash courses to learn more about our three online on-demand birth classes. The needle needs to go in to hit that spot really does vary based on the individual and their body type, their weight, their height, but it's usually in the range of four to eight centimeters. And then once the needle is in the right spot, the anesthesiologist will thread a little catheter into your back and take the needle out. Remember, the wire looking catheter is super long, about 90 centimeters, but only about 10 to 12 centimeters of it actually stays inside your back. And then this remaining amount is used for slack. You know, some of it's underneath the tape part, but it's kind of used for slack and to hook up to the pump that will continuously give you medication throughout your labor. And then the last step of the procedure is to test it. So your anesthesiologist will give you a little test dose of the medication to make sure that the catheter is in the right place, because if it's in the wrong place, it might need to be removed and replace. And luckily this doesn't happen too often, but that is why they do it because sometimes it does happen. 
This whole process from when your anesthesiologist walks into the room usually only takes about 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes it's a little bit longer if there are some difficulties getting the needle into the epidural space, but it's usually a pretty quick procedure. And then the very last thing is to tape on down, make sure that epidural catheter does not move <laughs> and give you a bigger dose of numbing medication. Some women feel relief within five minutes, but for most it takes a good 15, 20 minutes and it's more of a gradual progression. Usually what I tell moms is kind of start to feel their legs feel a little tingly and their contractions will start to feel like they're spacing out and they're getting less intense and then they'll just kind of go away. And now for the hard question that I'm going to answer, how big is the epidural needle? What's the size and what's the length and what's going on with it? <laughs> this is a very common question. It's okay. And the truth is that the epidural needle size and length does vary depending on the size of the patient, but the most common epidural needle size is a 17 or 18 gauge needle. And gauge refers to the diameter of the needle. So that's how thick it is. And the higher the gauge, the smaller the diameter. An 18 gauge needle is usually about the size that we use. You know, sometimes I use the 20, but about the size of your IV actually. So it's not like it's a giant, super thick needle back there but it's like your IV needle. The typical length is about three and a half inches, okay, for a normal weight adult, but it can be up to six inches for an obese adult. We'll just get that out of the way, okay? Just, it's fine. There's a reason it's going on your back. You're not seeing anything, okay? You're just feeling things. Another common question that I hear moms ask is, does it hurt? So I touched on this a little bit previously, but most people say that the worst part of the actual placement is that numbing medication. I have not personally had an epidural, but a lot of people say that numbing medication just feels like a bee sting. And then you just kind of feel some pressure in your lower back as that epidural needle that we just talked about is inserted. You also might feel a sensation kind of shoot down one or both of your legs it kind of feels like you hit your funny bone. And this usually happens as the catheter is being threaded. Sometimes it just kind of hits a weird nerve and it makes you have, call them like zingers, <laughs> kind of makes you have this weird lightning bolt kind of sensation down your leg. If you are experiencing pain with placement though, if you're sitting there and you got your numbing medication and then all of a sudden you are feeling pain, you're not feeling pressure, let your anesthesiologist provider know promptly because they can give you more numbing medication. Don't be afraid to just sit there and grin and bear it. If you are hurting after that numbing medication, speak up. We can give you some more. Now, how long does an epidural last? So once we determine that it's in the right place, it's going to be taped to your back, like I said, and then the catheter will be connected to a pump that will continuously infuse that pain medication until you deliver. And that means that you should have adequate pain relief from your epidural throughout your entire labor. As I previously mentioned, though, it's not uncommon, even with a perfectly functioning epidural in place, to feel a pressure sensation. Sometimes it can be very intense as your baby moves down into your lower pelvis and gets closer to coming out. The epidural is meant to take away sharp contraction pain, but it's not meant to take away that pressure. 
and pressure helps guide your body when and how to push when that time comes. Okay, now I want to take some time to talk about walking epidurals. We just spent a lot of time talking about a good old regular epidural, but there are these things called walking epidurals that exist in some hospitals. They are very similar to a traditional epidural in terms of the placement is the same, the procedure is the same, everything is pretty much the same, but they just allow for greater feeling and movement in the lower half of your body. And this makes them very appealing to moms that kind of want like a hybrid birth experience where your pain isn't completely taken away, but it's kind of taken the edge off a little bit, but your pain isn't completely taken away and you can't move or you can't feel much sensation of labor. Most of the time, walking epidurals use the same medication as a traditional epidural. We just give a lesser dose, that's it. But in other cases, some people do use a slightly different medication, but it's usually in the same class of drugs. It's just a little bit less potent. Want to learn more about epidural use during birth? Whether you're team epidural all the way, or maybe you aren't so sure yet, I encourage everyone to learn about this medical pain intervention. And that's why I created the free epidural birth prep pack. Inside, you'll find printable resources to help you learn more about epidurals and help you prepare for your birth. It includes the Epidural Basics Guide, which is a quick primer on epidurals so that you know a little bit about what to expect when the time comes, our super popular hospital bag checklist so that you know your hospital bag is stocked with everything you need for that big day. You'll get traditional and visual birth plan templates to help you think through all the questions related to your birth and gain the sense of control that you deserve. And finally, you'll get a third trimester to-do list to feel completely at ease heading into labor, knowing you've checked every box. To start learning more for your even better birth, simply head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash epidural pack. That's mommylabornurse.com slash epidural pack to access your free epidural prep pack today. What's interesting is that even the medication used in traditional epidurals can vary from hospital to hospital. So with that said, it's not that surprising that there would be a difference. Additionally, walking epidurals are administered in a slightly different spot in your spinal column to promote more mobility and sensation. So in short, a walking epidural is a great alternative to the complete numbness that's offered by a traditional epidural. For the placement of your walking epidural, same thing. You need to sit still with your back curved like a shrimp. Anesthesia comes in, injects a needle into your spinal space of your spinal column. And that's that different space that I talked about. It goes into your spinal space instead of your epidural space, which your spinal space is the same space that they use for a C-section, but it's a much different medication. That's a very, very dense medication. So once the needle is in the correct space, a thin flexible catheter is fed through the needle and this catheter stays in your back and the needle is removed. Really same kind of thing. It's just in a little bit different spot. The catheter gets taped to your back and the medication continuously flows into that space. Because of the placement of the medication, you will get almost instant pain relief, but keep in mind that with a walking epidural, the medication is given in much lower doses. Okay. And this really is what it's all about. This is what allows you more flexibility when moving from one position to another. And in theory, 
anyone who is eligible for a traditional epidural should be able to get a walking epidural. And I know I haven't talked about contraindications yet in this episode, at least. So let's go over those for traditional and walking epidurals. Number one, if you or your baby are unstable, you can't get an epidural. Number two, if you can't sit still during the procedure, it's unsafe to get an epidural. If you have a low platelet count, not a good idea. If you have a local infection, we can't give you an epidural. Number five, your baby is actively coming out of you. You're pushing your baby out. Can't get an epidural when you're doing that. (laughs) Now, back to walking epidurals. The factor of whether you can or cannot get a walking epidural really has to do more with their availability in your area. The hospital that I work for, we don't do them. They're not super common here in the U.S. yet, and they're starting to gain more popularity, but they're just not quite there yet. I really don't know, honestly, exactly why they aren't offered, but I suspect it's because most women who want an epidural are wanting an epidural because they are looking for total pain relief. And the pain relief from a walking epidural really can't compare very much uh, to a traditional epidural. And from what I've heard, most women end up converting their walking epidural to a full epidural anyway. However, I'm not saying that to discourage you from asking about it and trying it out. I'm simply stating what I've heard in the world of labor and delivery. If you're really interested in getting one, definitely discuss it with your provider at one of your prenatal appointments leading up to your due date. Always, always worth the chat. Let's go over some pros and cons of walking epidurals. Pros, they have a really quick onset. You have a greater ability to move freely throughout your labor. You can get in a lot more positions. And because you're able to change your positions more frequently, this can help baby get into a more favorable birthing position. So it can even speed up the labor process. And that's the next one. The labor may be shorter due to the ability to move around more easily. It may also decrease the need for other interventions like forceps or vacuum use. And it also may make pushing more effective during that second stage of labor because you can feel those contractions. Now the cons. So the medication administered isn't as strong like we talked about, so you will continue to feel some pain with contractions as your labor is progressing. And the same risks that apply to traditional epidurals apply to walking epidurals. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Because the walking epidural needle is placed into the spinal space as well, there is a greater chance of experiencing a spinal headache after delivery. And that's basically where you get a really, really bad headache because some of your spinal fluid actually leaked out a little bit and it causes like a change in pressure. (laughs) It's kind of crazy, but it causes a change in fluid around your brain and it can give you a really, really bad headache. And there's actually usually a very simple procedure that can be done called a blood patch. I guess we're going to talk about blood patches right now. (laughs) They just basically take a blood from another part of your body. We draw some blood from your IV, you know, like just from a vein. And then we inject it right into that space and it starts to kind of clot the area and patch up that little hole that was made that was leaking spinal fluid. There's a blood patch in simple terms. (laughs) And then another drawback of walking epidurals is even though it's called a walking epidural, a lot of women 
really aren't able to walk much around their room after it's administered. Even if you can, a lot of hospitals still do prohibit women with walking epidurals to just kind of freely walk around without assistance due to safety reasons. So it's not like you can just kind of freely walk all around your room. Now let's talk about some risks. So these again are for traditional epidurals or walking epidurals, and these include decrease in blood pressure. We know that the epidural might not work or it might be one-sided. You might get some itching. Uh, that's very common, and it's just due to the medication that's been given. It's just a side effect. Sometimes you can have some shivering as well, another side effect of the medication. Some people get fevers. It's called an epidural fever. Some people have some back pain and some people have nausea and vomiting, although you do have nausea and vomiting, you know, that's just a side effect of labor as well, but it can also be due to getting an epidural. All right, you guys, that is it for this episode. Whether you plan on getting an epidural from the moment you find out you're pregnant, <laughs> you peed on that stick, you saw two lines, you're like, I'm getting that epidural. <laughs> or you decided hours deep into your labor, it is important to be informed about the procedure. In fact, even mamas who plan to go natural, want to go unmedicated, you still should do some education about epidurals just in case you change your mind once you're in labor. That is okay. This is exactly why I teach about epidurals still in my natural birth course, because sometimes you go into labor and your plans change and that is okay. I do recommend exploring all the pain medication options for labor, even if your intention is to have an unmedicated birth. And on the flip side, I also recommend my epidural moms get some education on pain coping techniques because the latter can also happen. Maybe you go a little bit too quick for your epidural that you were planning on and you can't get one. So it's important to know what to do if you are in that situation. And again, go over all this stuff inside Birth It Up, the epidural series. Next week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, we are doing a birth story. We haven't done a birth story here in a while on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. I haven't recorded one in a while. I haven't had one, you know, put out. So I'm excited to share it with you guys. And this one's extra special because she actually did the midwives brew, if you guys know what that is. If you don't, check on mommylabornurse.com. We have a little article about it. She shares a lot of detail about her experience with that, and yeah, it was really, really fun to record with her. So be sure to stay tuned to next week's episode. Already feeling a little more confident about pregnancy, birth, and newborn life? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can continue to erase the unknowns and never miss an episode. And if you're looking for even more, Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Come join our community of more than a half a million moms for birth education, tips, and solidarity. You can find me at mommy.labornurse. Check out today's show notes and a searchable library of every Mommy Labor Nurse podcast episode at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to head to the blog to learn about our online birth classes too. See you next week. And remember, you can have an even better birth, no matter how you deliver.